We rise from the singing of the Alleluia verse.
right. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the two brothers. The two brothers. And the two brothers had a dad, and he was a farmer. And he had this huge farm. It was so big, and the farmer was getting old. And he took his two sons, and he said, I'm going to give each of you part of my farm, and I need you to take care of it. I'm just getting too old. And so the brothers took the farm, and they each farmed. They each had a house on the land. And things were going great. And then they started arguing with each other. You ever argue with your brother? Um, we don't have a lot of arguing. All the time. All the time they'd argue. And they pretty soon they'd stop talking. They didn't even argue. They just quit talking to each other. And it was just, well, and then years went by. Never talk to each other. Would that be happy or sad? It'd be sad, yeah. Well, one day a carpenter came to one brother's house and he said, I'm looking for some work. I'm looking for some work. And the brother thought and he said, You know what? I've got some work. I've got some work for you. He said, I want you to go down by the creek. You'll see my brother's house. I want you to build a big fence. I want you to build a big fence, and that way I don't have to worry about my brother, I don't have to talk to him, I don't have to see him. How's that sound? Not very good? So the brother went into town, he said, I'll be back later, I'll come and see how you're doing. And he got back, but instead of a fence, he saw this. What is that? A bridge. The carpenter built a bridge, and the one brother walked down, to the end of his bridge, and the other brother was over on the other side, and he saw his brother over there. And what do you think happened? Think they started arguing? The brother ran across the bridge and he gave his other brother a big hug. He said, Oh, my brother, all the terrible things I've said to you and done to you, and here you are, you built a bridge so that we could reunite and be together. I'm so happy you gave him a big hug. Doesn't that sound better? Does that sound better than a bridge? Yeah. And the first brother, how do you think he felt? He's like, I asked him to build a fence. Build a fence. Do we ever get like that where we just don't want to talk? Even our brother, not maybe not our brother, we just don't want to talk to people. Yeah, you just get tired of people. Yeah. But so he asked the carpenter if he could stay. Would you stay? You've reunited my brother and he said, oh, I'm afraid I can't. I have many bridges, bridges to build. Do you think we can build bridges? Should we build bridges or fences? Bridges? Yeah. And how do we build bridges? How do we talk to people when we want to build a bridge instead of a fence? Do we talk to them kindly and say kind words? Do we ask them to forgive us what we've done wrong to them? Yeah. You know what? We can do all those good things, but do you know what this bridge was built with? Popsicle sticks. No! This bridge was built with... What is that? What is that? You know what that is? It's cross. Yes! And what does the cross represent? Jesus, yeah. We think of Jesus. Je 
our fridges. There's a Bible verse I want to share with you from Timothy. I bet you've heard this, this Bible verse out of second or first Timothy. It says, There is one God, and there is one mediator. Mediator is kind of like the word medium, right? We have small, we have large, we have medium in the middle, right? There's one mediator in the middle between God and man. And that is the man, Jesus Christ, who died for our salvation. He died for us. God is love. God is love. Can you say that? Say, God is love. God is love. We love one another because of God. So I want to memorize a verse. You guys can work on this verse that Mr. English read out of Romans. Okay? It starts in verse 9. Say these words. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. God is love, right? God is love, and God sent his son Jesus to complete, to fulfill the law. Let's say the words again. One more time. You shall love your neighbor, you shall love your neighbor as, yourself. as yourself. Love does no wrong, does no wrong to, a neighbor. to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Amen. Wendy has some, some uh, pretzel rods for you. So go and see Wendy, have a pretzel rod, and remember every time you see a cross, God is love and he lives in your heart. We can end with the sermon in my soul. Now praise your maker on page 10 and above.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're you're driving along at night and you see a teenager walking along the side of the road by themselves, you might think, well, they shouldn't be out so late all alone. Something might happen. But you're not going to stop. But if you're driving along and see a toddler walking along the side of the road, even in the middle of the day, you're going to stop and figure out what's happening. You're going to move the child away from the road and call the police and stay with the child until help arrives. Because a toddler is utterly helpless and vulnerable. Bad things could happen very quickly. This child is a precious treasure, and you'll make sure the child stays safe. In our Gospel reading day, we find the disciples, after Jesus' transfiguration, hearing his second passion and resurrection prediction. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him and he'll be, raised from, he'll be raised on the third day. And the disciples were greatly distressed. Their distress, though, doesn't last very long because soon after this, we get to our reading today, where the disciples come to Jesus with what they believe is a very important question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, really, what they want to know is which one of them is the greatest. Is it Peter? He just made that rock-like confession of Jesus' identity. Or maybe it's James who was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Or maybe it's John, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Who is the greatest? And we look and we think, those thick-headed disciples. You just want to shake your head at them because they're right there with Jesus and they get caught up in a comparison game. Who's better than who? Thank goodness we're not like that. We just humbly love our neighbors without ever comparing ourselves with others. Well, except all the time. Pastors compare themselves to other pastors based on their congregations. And if another pastor has a smaller congregation, it must be because, well, he's just not a very good preacher or he's, he's not dedicated enough. If another pastor has a larger congregation, well, it must be because he's selling out to the culture and he's just preaching what their itching ears want to hear. Sadly, all of us can relate to a life of comparison. We play the comparison game at school, at work, at the gym, even with our families. We compare intelligence, abilities, athleticism, wealth, houses, cars, cell phones, video game systems. Who's better? Who's worse? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Is it me? Maybe it's me. Maybe I am the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
And calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The helpless toddler on the side of the road is the greatest. Utter helplessness is the mark of being the greatest in the kingdom. What a crushing blow to your self-esteem. To be the greatest is to know that you are utterly helpless. Salvation is not about you. It's about Jesus for you. As we hear in Isaiah 64, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. You cannot save yourself. You need Jesus. You can do nothing on your own. To know that you are utterly helpless is to strip away any pretense you have of self-righteousness. Being utterly helpless pops your puffed-up ego that, that thinks you're good enough, or at least you're not as bad as that other guy. Being utterly helpless is to admit that you are a poor, miserable sinner. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is one who is utterly helpless. The one who needs the most care is the greatest. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus lifts up the utterly helpless and he washes away their sin and he gives them forgiveness and eternal life. The utterly helpless are Jesus' treasure. It can be a frustrating adventure to have to get treatment at the hospital emergency room. Because you may have to wait for hours before you get to see the doctor. And that is frustrating. But it is not a good sign if you arrive at the ER and you are surrounded by doctors and nurses and techs because if you're the top priority, it's because you are in the worst shape. You get the most care because you are the neediest. Our readings today teach you all as God's church how to care for the greatest in the kingdom. How do you, the utterly helpless, care for others who are utterly helpless? One thing about being utterly helpless is it makes you vulnerable. When you know it's not about you, that you're not in control, it can make you easy prey for false teachings that promise salvation in some other way. There are far too many wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing, teaching whatever they can dream up, not caring what happens to the sheep. Jude warns in Jude verse 8, Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. 
So many who call themselves Christians, so many who call themselves pastors, do not follow the word of God, but instead they follow their dreams. Stay awake. Be so familiar with the true word of God that you can easily spot a fake. Always be on guard. Childlike faith should not be a childish faith. Knowing you are utterly helpless and you desperately need Jesus exhorts you to learn as much as you can about Jesus. How are you to live together as a gathering of the utterly helpless? St. Paul teaches in Romans 13, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You love one another. You care for one another as you would care for a toddler walking alone on the side of the road. The one who is in the most need is the greatest. And the utterly helpless are utterly helpless. So you protect each other. You do not lead others into sin. There is a special place in hell for those who lead people away from God's truth into sin. Jesus says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Jesus cares so much about his utterly helpless followers that he issues a strong, unbending warning. And on this opening day of Sunday school, we remember that preachers and teachers are held to a higher standard, as we learn in James 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Preachers and teachers have a great responsibility to preach and teach the truth of God's word and not mix in your own opinions or your own loopholes to God's law. You are called to speak the truth in love to one another, warning where he warns and blessing where he blesses. God calls on you to fight temptation and cut sin out of your own life so you do not infect others. Cutting away your sinful behaviors can be as painful as cutting off your hand or your foot or tearing out your eye. Cut sin out of your life because out of love for others, it's that important to make sure you're not a source of temptation. You're warned not to despise one of these little ones. You are to treat each other as the treasures that you are and care for one another. And protect one another. If someone wanders away, you seek after the stray sheep. It's too easy to let sheep wander off and be lost. We lock up our Sunday offerings in the safe. But the true treasures of the church are all of you. 
We strive in our meeting together to lock up your hearts with God's truth. This gathering of our of ours together on Sunday morning is a gathering of the utterly helpless who are treasured by God, redeemed and forgiven by the blood of Jesus and who love and care for each other. Sometimes that care is tough love. What do you do if you find out that one of your fellow Christians has fallen into ongoing unrepentant sin? What if one of God's pearls of great price is in danger of being led away by the lies of the evil one? What do you do? Unfortunately, our tendency is to want to gossip about it with others, but Jesus gives us a better way because that sinner, that fellow sinner, is utterly helpless and needs to hear the truth spoken in love. So if you see someone sin against you, then go to them directly, just the two of you. If you won't listen, we want one or two witnesses to bring the loving truth that repentance is needed and forgiveness and redemption is available. When dealing with stubborn sinners, the goal is to protect and preserve them as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If they won't listen to the two or three of you, bring it to the church so they can call this person to repentance so they are saved from the evil one. And if they still won't listen, you have to put them out of the church so that they understand that their sin is serious and has eternal consequences. You want them, you want them to again know that they are utterly helpless and they need Jesus. The church is God's instrument to care for all the little ones who are utterly helpless to save themselves. Little ones like Josiah and Trinity Ann and Beatrix and Wendy and Walter and Macy and Emma and little ones like little Pastor and little Vicar and little Wendy and little Pam and little Doris little Steve and little Kim know you are utterly helpless and treasure Jesus' gifts to you of forgiveness and eternal life love one another speak the truth in love to protect the utterly helpless little ones they are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise to confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.
This time I invite four of those to be received as new members in the church. And the congregation may be seated.
prayers today. We pray for Daniel Collins, former student of Hamstown Blue and Dirt's daily neurological pain. Kelly Franks, friend of Alice and Bill Francis, who is continuing treatment for stage 4 cancer. Paul Jansen, friend of Vicki Schwab, who is fighting stage 4 colon cancer. Michelle and her husband, Rob, friends of Carol and Hop, who are both suffering with cancer. Frank Sims, friend of Ruth Selmeyer, whose cancer has returned and has been put in hospice. Debbie Luders, friend of the Minicast, who is awaiting test results. Lisa, friend of the Schwalskis, who has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Eric Hedrick, son, cousin of Ruth Selmeyer, who is having gallbladder surgery on Monday. Sherry Butcher, friend of Doug and Ruby Herbeck, who has com complications from brain surgery. Joe McFarland, neighbor of less than any day fair, who is having a bone marrow transplant. Bruce Brinker, who is recovering from surgery. Mike Benson, whose brother's in the ICU, and his wife, Sharon Benson, who had a stroke and is also in the ICU. Kathy Health, who is having health issues. Serena Khan, who is hospitalized for an infection. Kathy Health, friend of Ruth Selmeyer, who is having health issues. Rhonda, a family member of Don Farmer, who has aphid. And the family of David Shul, who died this past week. Let us pray. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Blessed Lord, you have promised that there, where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of them. Hear the prayers of your people and grant our supplications. Lord, your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have sent us pastors as watchmen. Let them be ever faithful in calling sinners to repentance and joyfully announcing your forgiveness to those who heed their warning. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Father, because you have made us our brother's keeper, fill us with care for the members of our earthly families and for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Forgive our sins and strengthen us to live so that we owe no one anything except to love one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Righteous God, you give leaders to every nation and people. Grant us good and wise public servants to bear the sword righteously, defending the innocent and punishing wrongdoers. Grant those who protect us, especially our armed forces, police, and firefighters. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful Lord, Look with compassion on those who are struggling with illness, grief, loneliness, or any malady, especially Daniel Collins, Kelly Franks, Paul Jansen, Michelle and her husband Rob, Frank Sims, Debbie Luders, Lisa, Eric Hedrick, Sherry Butcher, Joe McFarland, Bruce Brinker, Mike and Sharon Benson, Kathy Hell, Serena Khan, Kathy Hell, Rhonda, and the family of David Reassure them of your love, which is like that of, a, of the shepherd who seeks and saves the one lost sheep. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, grant that we would receive Christ's body and blood with childlike faith. 
Let us humbly trust that your forgiveness is poured out for us in this sacrament. May it strengthen us in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, because you desire that none of your little ones should perish, and because sin is constantly crouching at our door, we beg you to call us back to yourself when we are tempted to stray. Deliver us from temptation. And keep us in the faith. Make us humble like little children, seeing how your Son humbled himself for us and for our salvation. Lord, in your mercy, Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ our Lord.
trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into
And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same with faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, Lord Sovereign, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.